This message is presented to you by Pastor James Moore and New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. Have you ever stopped to think about just how immense the universe is? I mean, when you and I look up at the sky, we're really looking out from the Earth, which is one of several planets that revolve around a star that we know as the sun. Now, the sun, with its orbiting planets, that's called a solar system. And our particular solar system is one of more than 3,200 other solar systems that make up a galaxy known as the Milky Way. And the Hubble telescope, which orbits 340 miles above the Earth, reveals, listen to this, an estimated 100 billion, with a B, galaxies like the Milky Way in our universe. Are you as overwhelmed as I am by just how limitless this, this seems? Uh, uh, well, let, let, let's do a quick review by, go, by going in the other direction. Our Milky Way galaxy is one among, among the billions of galaxies in our universe, and our sun is one star among billions in the Milky Way galaxy. The Earth is one of the planets that orbits the sun in our solar system. And you are one of the billions of people on the Earth. And our God, who created the universe, who created the Milky Way, who created our solar system, created planet Earth, you know, that almighty God, he looks down into the North American continent, into this nation, this state, this city, this neighborhood, this street, this building, and this room. And he sees your row (laughs) and sees the seat you're sitting in. And he knows your name. After all, he's the one who created you. In Psalm 139, we're told that we are fearfully... And wonderfully made that we were designed and formed by God, God himself in our mother's womb. Just think, our earthly journey began as a one-celled organism within our mother's body, which when united with a cell from our father, combined to create a brand new cell, that is similar to and yet completely unlike any other person who has ever lived. It was so small, that cell, that it was invisible to the naked eye, and yet it's 23 pairs of chromosomes with their 100,000 genes and three and a half billion points of contact, listen, contained every instruction necessary to build a complete human being, which is, without a doubt, 
one of the most fascinating wonders in all creation. And the more you study and the more you learn about it, the more apparent it becomes that even the tiniest, most humble cell in our bodies is way more intelligent than we are. And not only is each cell a small universe in itself with specific tasks and precise functions coordinated down to a thousandth of a second, but each cell also connects perfectly with the 100 million other cells that make up a human being. Without any conscious intention, without any direction on your part, if you are a person of average size, your heart beats 103,680 times every 24 hours. You take approximately 200, excuse me, 23,000 breaths. And you inhale 300 or 438 cubic feet of air. You eat about three and a half pounds of food. And you drink almost three pints of liquid every 24 hours. You generate 450 tons of energy. And you use 7 million brain cells every day. And all 8 billion of us who live on planet Earth are so alike that each of us has a normal body temperature of 98.6 degrees. Whether we live on the equator, whether we live above the Arctic Circle, 98.6. And yet we are so diverse that no two of us have the same fingerprints. It's just absolutely amazing. But so what? What's the purpose? What's the meaning of it all? I mean, doesn't the magnificence of this universe and the miracle of human life cause you to wonder? What's it all about? Or, or maybe at least be curious. See, I think before we continue today, we should ask ourselves a few questions. How about like, why am I here? Why do I exist? Why did God create me? What am I supposed to do with this life I've been given? What's expected of me? Are we here to be as successful as possible? You know, to earn enough to have enough money for my later years? Why am I here? To become a premier athlete so I might make it into the NFL and then be able to praise God in a post-game interview? Why am I here? To be a good husband and father or a good mother to my children? Why am I here? So I can come up with a new idea that could be developed and marketed to make me a millionaire with wealth enough to help the less fortunate and give generously to God's kingdom? Why am I here? To minister in the church? To be a pastor? To help those who are hurting? Why am I here? Well, I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with 
any of the things I've just mentioned. But if we really want to know why we're here, I think it would probably be wise for us to check with the one who gave us the life we have. The one who gave us the world we have so we could live our life in it. Let's read together, if you would. From the book of Galatians, we're going to put this up here. Let's all read this together. Will you do that? In case you haven't done any Bible reading today, this is your chance. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. So there it is, folks. There it is in God's word. As it turns out, Jesus is the one who created everything. As it turns out, it's Jesus who holds everything together. Therefore, listen, Jesus is why we exist. And Jesus should be the source of everything we do. Isn't that what it said? Can you amen that? Maybe you need some further explanation. Fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, it says this, And he, Christ, died for all, that those who live should no longer, what? Live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We are therefore... Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen, my friend, if, if you're here today and you're still living for yourself, you're not living for the one who died for you, then as Christ's ambassador, I implore you on his behalf, be reconciled to God. Make today the day you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your King. And by the way, in case you're new to our church, reconciling people to God is what we're all about. I mean, we're a church family, but we're also a family with a mission. Our primary purpose, our one passion, our one focus, our one reason for existence 
is to know Christ and make him known. Oh, we're, <laughs> we're far from perfect. And uh, you may not think we're pretty. <laughs> but I can tell you this, we are committed to our mission and we're loyal to our king. And his name is Jesus. For you see, the one who created the entire universe, including you and me, he wants us to live with him forever. And he has made that possible by doing what only he could do, which was pay for our sin by sacrificing his own life. And now we must be willing to sacrifice our lives for him. This means we need to be willing to give up our career, willing to give up our money, our time, even our family. In other words, we need to be willing to sacrifice anything for the cause of Christ. It says the great author C.S. Lewis, you've probably heard of him, he once said this, if you're looking for a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. What he meant was, since Jesus gave his life for others out of love and obedience to his Father, we must be willing to give our lives for others out of love and obedience for him. I think Jesus made this pretty clear when he said this. He said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. And he, and he also said something that's recorded in the book of Luke. And I, when we put this up, I'd like for us all to read this together. Will you read it with me? It says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Now let's remember, these are the words of the visible image of God. These are the words of the one who holds all creation together, that whole universe. He's the, this is the word of the head of the church, the words of the Savior of the world, and the one who will be the final judge of us all. So with that in mind, let's read this again. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So, how about you? Are you Christ's disciple? If you are, would you please stand? You're a Christ disciple. Now, if you're not Christ's disciple, but you'd like to be, will you stand with these others? And now let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, let's say, I willingly deny myself and commit to following you. From this day forward, my life is yours alone. Amen.
Thank you. You may be seated. So, did you mean it? If you did mean it when you prayed that prayer, the same Holy Spirit that lived in Jesus when he was on the earth, that same Holy Spirit is now living in you and in me and in every Christian believer. And as, listen, as we are sensitive and submissive to the prompting and leading of the Spirit, we will have unity. It's the same Spirit. He's saying the same thing to you as he's saying to me. We will have unity. Everyone say unity. Now, now to make sure we're on the same page, I want to take just a moment to define that word. Let's define it. Unity defined is the state of being one. It's the state of mutual understanding. It's harmony. Unity is the harmonious agreement of parts into one united whole. It is singleness of purpose, action, etc. Oneness and harmony. Mutual understanding. No division. Singleness of purpose. Unity. And, and be careful not to confuse, listen, unity with peace. Many people do. For you see, to have peace means that we avoid conflict. To have peace means we get along with one another. We keep the peace. But there's a big difference between peace and unity. 1 Corinthians 12.25 speaks about this. And it says, the Apostle Paul says there, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Psalm 133.1 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Are, are you aware that just here, just in our little congregation, we have people from different generations, different religious and ethnic backgrounds, Different cultures. It's true. And when it comes to the music in our church, <laughs> we have people who prefer soft and mellow. People who only want traditional. There's some who like it loud. And the preferences, oh, they include country, rock, rhythm and blues, black gospel, southern gospel, and old hymns. Elevation worship, Kathy Nicole, Chris Tomlin, Lauren Daigle, Brian Duncan, Toby Mack, Hillsong United, Kirk Franklin, Crowder, Bill Gaither, Tarnwell, Switchfoot, Zach Williams, and I'm sorry if I missed your favorite. <laughs> Furthermore, there are people who prefer verse-by-verse -verse expository sermons. And then we have other people who prefer topical sermons with contemporary illustrations. We have those who prefer to dress up for church and those who prefer casual attire. I, th I think you get the point. We, you and I, have a wide variety of preferences. 
And we can insist on doing what we prefer, and we still can have peace. But we will not have unity. So this makes necessary the second question. Are we willing to sacrifice our preferences in order to please God? In other words, are we willing to pay the price? You see, instead of preference, there's another word that we must be willing to embrace if we expect to ever have unity, the unity God wants for us. And do you know what that word is? It it, it sounds a lot like preference, but it's almost the exact opposite. The word is deference. Deference means yielding to the opinions or decisions of another, of someone else. Preference, on the other hand, means a person's first choice. It's the attitude of liking something better than something else. I think it's pretty obvious that preference is the enemy of unity. I mean, if everyone insists on having what he or she prefers, everyone will be alone. And furthermore, if we use our opinions to determine our direction, then there's just no way for us to ever be on the same page. Preference is the enemy of unity. So now we have the Bible, you know, the inspired revelation of God to man. And the Bible reveals the standard by which we are to live. The scriptures are the infallible, authoritative rule for all matters of faith and conduct. The Bible is the infallible, authoritative rule for all matters of faith and conduct. And contrary to what is believed by a lot of people in our culture today, there is, in fact, objective truth. That means a truth that applies to all people at all times. See, God has given the scriptures so we can find what is true, so we can find out what our priorities should be. For example, Ephesians 5.1 gives a command that applies to every one of us, something we can all focus on. It will help us to unify. And that verse says, be imitators of God. See, a trap of the human conscience is to think that the reason God wants us to be loving, wants us to be gracious and generous and all those other good things, we think it's because he wants us to behave ourselves and get along with one another. And make no mistake, that is, in fact, a wonderful byproduct of our spiritual maturity. But that is not the goal. No, no. Now, that would, what I, that would probably bring peace if we all behaved ourselves and got along with one another. But it wouldn't achieve the real goal, which is to be like God. 
You say, wait a minute, what are you saying? I say, the truth is this. We are creatures designed to reflect his image. He made us into his own image. But we've fallen tragically short of that goal. And when we, Adam and Eve messed it up and passed it on to us. And it's only the restoration that God offered on the cross of Jesus, plus the gift of his spirit, that puts us back on the image of God track. For you see, God wants us to be loving and gracious and generous and all those other good things. You know why? Because he is all those good things. It's not so we'll behave and get along with one another, although that will happen if we're all those good things. But that's not the point. Are you tracking with me? Any good father would want to instill his values and character into his children. And I can tell you, our God is a very good father. He wants us to be like him. But that's a completely different approach to maturity than we usually take. I mean, our usual approach is we want to fulfill the requirements, at least the minimum. (laughs) You know, we want want to be content with, you know, not just average. We want a little better than average growth. We'd like that. We'll be content with that. We seek and we are satisfied with a Christianized form of self-improvement. But see, God has... So much more in mind for us than that. Instead of self-improvement, his desire is for us to have God conformity. His Holy Spirit is drawing us into an entirely new role. Changing us from just servants of God into children of God who reflect the image of their Father. It's true that both servants and children must comply with the father's wishes. But only children can actually inherit the father's genes and grow in his character. So, the first thing we need to do is accept our identity as a child of the king. We all need to be imitators of our father. Why? Because he is our father. Be imitators of God. Think about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control is found in Galatians. Have you approached these as items on a list? I mean, a list is primarily about you and your growth. Well, I encourage you to look a little higher than that. The fruit of the Spirit Those are aspects of God's character that he intends for us, his children, to have. He wants to see his image in us. He is relentlessly striving to pass his character on to his children, and he will not waver from that goal, and neither should we. And and as we allow ourselves to be transformed... (laughs) into his likeness, we're going to become more and more unified because we'll be more and more conformed to the image of God who is the father of us all. Therefore, we must 
here's the point here, resist pressing for our individual preferences because this obviously resists unity. Preference is the enemy of unity and deference to defer is the key to unity. Deference is the key to unity. Will you say that with me? Deference is the key to unity. So once again, the question facing each of us is, am I willing to sacrifice my personal preferences to make room for the unity God desires? Each local church, such as this one, represents a cell in the body of Christ on the earth. In our congregation here at New Life Community Church, we can experience the unity that God desires if we'll each forego our opinions, forego our preferences, and rally around one purpose. Rally around one vision. Now, some of you are familiar with the scripture that says, without vision, the people perish. Another translation of that verse is, without vision, the people wander aimlessly. And unfortunately, to some degree, that happened to our church. You see, when, when this church began, when New Life began, we had the very same purpose as we do today, but we stated it differently. The original purpose statement of our church was a very thorough, I wrote it, <laughs> was very concise, I wrote it. I would like to share that original purpose statement with you. In fact, here's what I'd like for you to do. We're all going to take a big breath, and we're all going to read it together. Take your breath. Let's read this. New Life Community Church exists to reach the unchurched and the unsaved church with salvation and discipleship through proclamation, teaching, training, serving, and fellowship, producing lives committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Could you do it in one breath? Would you please take that down off the screen now, please? Take that down. Yeah, thank you. Now, how many can recite that back to me? Can you recite it back? No one, right? Because it's too long. It's too long. And I wrote it. And this is one of the reasons we lost our vision. Therefore, some years later, we did an overhaul. We did a facelift. We did an upgrade of our purpose statement. We wanted it to be something easy to remember, something we could use to help us prevent losing our vision again. And all you NLCCers, you know what it is, don't you? Why do we exist? 
We exist so people get it. Can you repeat that back? We exist, people. Yeah, New Life Community, we exist for only one reason. We exist so people get it. Of course, when you say that, it prompts a question. The question is, what is it? Which gives you the opportunity to answer. It is the new life available only through Jesus Christ. It will allow you to see life from God's point of view. It will give you enthusiasm, compassion, excitement, and it will give you purpose. For you see, with Jesus, put that next slide up. You will get, say this first word with me. You will get what? Saved from sin. Next word. You will get victory over addictions and sinful habits. You will get connected to the family of God and community. You will get faith to continue living and believing. You will get filled with the Holy Spirit and power. You will get help when you humbly seek it. You will get healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. Yes, with Jesus, you will get started. Down there, started. Say it. In a new life, you will get a grip as you become disciplined in self-control. You will get with it as you separate from wrong. You will get busy serving and ministering. You will get restored as you renew your first love for Christ. You will get delivered from wrong beliefs. You will get over it as God helps you forgive your offenders. You'll get on board as you sacrifice preferences and join the team. You will get more as you determine to never quit until you attain the fullness of Christ. You will get real as you exercise honesty and courage. And you will get blessed as you give. What will you get? You will get Jesus. The one we defer to. The one who calls us to unity. The one who's given us the assignment of rescuing those who have been captured by the enemy. And not only that, they've been brainwashed with evil and sinful propaganda. We have the assignment of rescuing them and reconciling them with their Heavenly Father. But God knows we can't do it alone. That's why he gave us the church to be the body of Christ on earth. Together, we can complete Christ's mission of reaching our family. Do you have any unsaved family members? The mission of reaching our friends. Do you have any unsaved friends? Reaching our neighbors, reaching our city, reaching our nation, reaching our world with the truth that will set them free. The question for you this morning is, are you willing? Are you willing? Because if you are willing to join together to complete Christ's mission, will you join me in proclaiming the one vision of our church? I'm going to ask the question once again. And we're going to respond in unity. 
Are you ready? NLC Sears. Why do we exist? We exist so people get it. Say it again. We exist so people get it. Amen. Amen. May it be so. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.